Welcome to Behind the Clipboard, event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the Insider Toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to open the backstage curtain and unleash your world of events expertise. Hello and welcome to Behind the Clipboard. I'm Tamara Cook from Known Associates Events and I'm here with my fellow events guru, Melissa Howie. Hello. As always, we're recording this podcast on unceded Wajak Noongar Budja in Western Australia and we pay our respects to our First Nations people. So when I first decided to start my event company, a guru told me that this is the single most important thing that you can do. He said, write yourself a one pager on the event. Not only will it help you to personally improve, but it will give you hard evidence of the successes and improvements for the next time you work on that event style or with that client. He was an amazing events manager. So that little piece of information just stuck with me. I knew that it was something really important that was going to make me successful and continuously improve in my event delivery. So today, that's what we're talking about, post-event reporting. And it may sound boring, but it actually is, as you said, and your mentor said, one of the most important things. And it's, yeah, the clear purpose is to document the learnings from that event. And it's important to do it as soon after the event as possible as well. Exactly. Well, it's fresh in your mind because, gosh, you can run around for, I don't know, you do 38,000 steps at an event and you're exhausted at the end. But everything is really fresh in your mind. So even sometimes I'll write notes, well, actually, most often I'll write notes on the run sheet, which will then go into my post-event report. But just the timings and the little things that we put in um, in our notes while, it, while it's all happening, you can take a breather. I don't expect people to do a post-event report straight after the event, especially if it's wrapping up at 2am mm-hmm. <laughs> in the morning. But you definitely want to do it the next day at the very, very latest Yeah. And I find events are a bit like a relationship. Like the further you get away from them, you just remember the highs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you completely forget that, you know, the venue was severely understaffed and you had to pull up your sleeves and get up and empty water glasses. And you just remember that the client was really happy. The musician was amazing, all these sort of things. And so it is about celebrating the successes, but it's about documenting those improvements while they're really clear in your mind. And more importantly, documenting what you can do in the future to avoid them. So it's it's not really about beating yourself up. It's about making sure that next time you remember how that could have worked smoother. And quite often there are so many little, tiny little details that it is easy to forget. So I was in a meeting the other day with a client. We were going through, we were doing a debrief, going through our post-event report. And my event manager that I was sitting with um, had co- totally blocked out of her memory that she cleared glasses for the majority of the event because um, living this post-COVID era, we were short-staffed for, well, the catering company was short-staffed. So she'd blocked out of her memory that she had, just like you said, rolled up her sleeves and cleared glasses for a good chunk of the evening. 
and I had to remind her. <laughs> and yeah, she just didn't write it in the report because she, I think, she kind of was post-traumatic stress. At yeah, that stage. and that can happen. Or sometimes you notice a few smaller things, like as guests are starting to arrive, and then later on something bigger happens, and that's all you think about. Like that's when you think back to it. For example, the episode we did on our, my AV horror story. That is what I think about. But there were little things that I needed to go back and reflect on that were positives I could improve on in the future. Um, for example, the venue, the lunch, they served a lunch that was standing, but it was stuff that needed a knife and fork. So that was a really big oversight on their and my behalf, actually. But this year we made sure that the food was able to be eaten with a fork in one bite. Yep. Yeah, it's those little things that if you don't capture them, they can just fly away. Yeah, totally. And it's important to do this regardless of whether it's an annual event or not. Even if it isn't or you don't know if it's going to be planned to happen again next year, another similar event may crop up. So another similar conference or, as you mentioned, Tam, um, a different type of event but for the same client might pop up that you want to refer back to those notes as well. So what are some things that we try to keep in mind when we're doing a post-event report? Uh, well, like I said in the opening, successes and improvements are a really good way to do it. And notice that both of those words are positive. So you've worked really hard and some things are out of your control. So really take this moment when you're doing your reflection to pat yourself on the back for the successes and then the things that went wrong, just put them down as improvements. It often is out of your control what's gone wrong. So don't beat yourself up. And don't say disasters. <laughs> it's it's just a learning, and um, that's the way. That's why we use that language because you you should be learning from it. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Um, so what we do here is break them down into different categories, and we write successes and improvements on each. We use a template, so it's easy to read and easy if you want to be looking at the positives or looking at the things that you need to improve quick reference and keep it solutions focused which is going back to what I said what would you do different differently next time uh, to ensure the event is more smooth yeah and there's so many things you can't control like you said in an event like you know I heard a story actually in an event recently the AV guy was telling me thank god it wasn't my event that the power shut down randomly uh, one day during a conference at the venue and his office is right above the ballroom and it just obviously it shut the whole venue down. The backup generator kicked in but it's reset every single AV piece of equipment back to default. <laughs> oh dear. So it, the ballroom was split into three different sections. It, three different clients. Three different clients and then the it went back to default. So one microphone from one of the sections started piping through all three ballrooms. Oh, geez. It's like pitch black because there's no windows in a ballroom. So he, all of a sudden he just heard screams from his office. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing you can't prepare for. You can't beat yourself up about. I'm not even sure you could plan for to avoid it in the future. But you can document it. But you can document it just so you can relive that horror next year. <laughs> nice. So what sort of things uh, do we include in a post-event report? Um, venue or location. Mm. So we'd look at did the guests find the venue or the room easily? Was the food and beverage service fast, slow? Was it up to expectations? Did you actually get what they said they were going to deliver? Were staff friendly or were they hard to work with? And was parking convenient? 
for guests? Did they have to walk for miles and miles to find the venue room or did you have little shuttles? And if you did have shuttles or you had entertainment along the way, how was that received? So many things going into the venue. I mean, there's all the basics of food and beverage and stuff. They're, they're really the uh, grassroots of what you would expect from a venue. And then you can break it down into the little intricacies of your particular event. So another one that is a huge part of an event is the AV and staging. So I've mentioned that in previous episodes and today, but were there any mishaps in the production? Some of them you can't help. Uh, Technology just tends to fail sometimes. But if there were some and we're looking at improvements, trying to keep it positive, could they have been avoided with a clearer briefing from you or a better production schedule if you didn't do one, definitely a production schedule. We'll talk about that later in this season. Uh, Or could it have been avoided by adding a different piece of equipment? Uh, For example, sometimes it can be messy switching from a video to a PowerPoint and back again, and there's, there's a piece of equipment that you can add to the quote, which will help that. There was an event that we did the other day, and we did the report afterwards, and it was something that we weren't expecting. And it was very, it's a very, very simple simple to fix problem whereas we had a screen slideshow with a bunch of photos coming up and we had boarded it with the client's logo and we went from a mac using powerpoint to a tv screen that wasn't quite the right fit which is unusual but just had the logo cut off just a couple of letters of the logo were cut off on the screen And we tried and tried and tried and we could not fix it without redoing the slideshow, which is obviously what we did. But we had to do that very, very quickly because the time was coming for doors open very fast. So what we could have done to avoid all this is just done a border, just done a little bit more of a border to allow for the fact that the screen might be a couple of centimetres out or a couple of millimetres out when you're doing the design and hindsight's a beautiful thing. Like, yes, it seems easy, sounds easy to say that now, but you weren't to know. Yeah, but I feel like, and this is a thing, you know, been doing this for a long time and I feel like I should know. Like it's a little thing that you feel like you should know, but also you feel like technology is so good these days that it just won't happen. Yeah. If, we, if you test it on your screen in your office and you test it on your computer screen, you just expect that plugged in image to be pretty much the same if you're using a 16.9 screen. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a learning and something we'll do going forward. And AV, I would, I would say AV is probably the one that you're probably going to have the most learnings from because there's so many new technologies too. Like there's, it's quite common you'd be using something you haven't used before, designing content for it. Not sure what That's, size. Yeah, that's true. And on this particular occasion, we were using a different audiovisual company to our norm. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I still think it should should have been the same TV size. Yeah, it should have. Um, sheen, the screen size, but I don't know. It just it was just that tiny little bit out. And for us, we need perfection. Yeah, and we'll live it and learn it, mm-hmm. as you like to say. Other things when reporting on AV, uh, was there any other equipment you needed? For example, sometimes a client will say they don't need a roving mic in a conference, but at the time they needed it, something to consider for the next year. PowerPoint clickers, sometimes you tell people to bring them with them, but they never do. Um, Or an extra screen, all these sorts of things. If Think about staging within this category as well. So if it was an award ceremony, for example, how did the awards process on stage flow? Was it awkward? Did people 
come up one side and leave the other like that was supposed to? Or would adding another set of stairs either in the centre or on one of the, one of the sides have helped that process? Absolutely. So the next category in our little template is theming. Kind of an obvious one. Did it work? Did it fall flat? Um, lots of things can come into theming though because obviously you've got so many different elements You've got your screens, you've got your lighting, you've got your entertainment, you've got your design, you've got whether or not people are dressing up to be part of the theme. There's so many little parts of it. So theming can be broken down into whatever works for you for your particular event. And sometimes you can really think about theming in terms of for the crowd and for the event purpose, was this theme right? Yeah. more In terms of the overall theme, I think, yeah, it's... That's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. And in the day and age that we live in, you also have to consider it might be cultural appropriation or inclusivity. There's so much to think about when you're coming up with your theme. It can be a little political at times. So it's it's a, it's a good reflection to have because you, you put a lot of thought into that theme, you put a lot of effort into that theme and breaking it down and reflecting on it afterwards is really paramount. Yeah, and sometimes that's the only time that you actually take a step back and view it as a whole theme rather than once you get into the nitty gritty, I feel like that's how you see it. You really get into how you can embody that theme, but it's taking a step back about the overall theme and whether it was appropriate or the right fit for those people. Even did it fit in the venue? Yeah, yeah. The venue didn't match the theme, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Big one. And also what you can get in Perth. I think that's a big one. (laughs) I love Perth to death, but also there's certain themes that are really easy to do here and there's certain themes that are really tricky. Yeah. Yeah, we are limited by being the most isolated city in the world. Yeah. But, you know. The world is your oyster with AV, but. It's just a freight container away (laughs) from China. (laughs) Excellent. So another big one, and it does tie into theming, is collateral branding and signage. So all these things will obviously have come from the theme as well but thinking about the actual collateral what you printed was it appropriate for example did you do uh, custom wine bottle labels did they match in with the rest of the theme coasters was that not the right fit did they dissolve did they get used yeah did they get used or did they turn to paper mache when someone used them (laughs) so many things to consider in branding and then of course signage which is different again um, in terms of how people found the room they were in, how big is the venue, um, were there multiple breakout rooms, conferences obviously um, have a lot of signage usually. Yes, and this can come down to sponsorship as well. So are you delivering what the sponsor needs in terms of signage? Was it visible enough in the room for them? Were they happy with the outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. What's next? Event timings um, is a big one because this is obviously related back to your run sheet And as you mentioned, Tam, um, it's helpful if you write down how long things actually went for on your run sheet during the event. This is my favourite thing to do when I'm on events. (laughs) I've got my big texter out and like crossing things off as we go through the timeline and writing down to the second what time something happened. So if the MC came on 30 seconds late, I'll scribble that down because, well, not 30 seconds, but maybe it was three minutes late or five minutes late. Then you've got the answer to why something happened five minutes late, two hours later. Yeah. 
And looking at actual timings versus planned timings is a really important one. So for example, in your head, you thought the live auction was going to go for 20 minutes. You put 10 items in and it went for 50 and that's going to have a real impact on the guest experience in the room, as well as how much entertainment they get. When can the band come out? When does dessert get served? It has a real flow on effect. Yeah. And noting this down and reflecting that, reflecting on that in the post event reporting is going to help you so much the next time you do that event. Quite often we do a repeat event annually or biannually and knowing what worked and what didn't work, especially with an auction, do you need to change the auctioneer? Do you need to change the amount of auction items? Is it something that you can control using the, by bringing the MC into the auction? Mm. Having all that information there can inform your decisions for the next time you do it. Even something like knowing that one particular speaker or two particular speakers, even worse, um, consistently go over time. Like they just love to talk and sometimes they're great talent. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but knowing that they're never going to keep to that 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever you've attributed, maybe you need to tell them that they have five, but you attribute 15 in the run sheet. Absolutely. That's when you never show them the run sheet Mm -hmm. and you tell them... What's not on there? Or you can put something in like um, we've trialled a few times and it's worked really well lately is a fold back screen facing the speakers with a timer on it. Yeah. So a countdown timer. It's the equivalent of the old hook from the side of the stage these days. Or someone standing up the back of the room waving their arms. Yeah. (laughs) Doing the cut off motion. (laughs) No, that is such an essential tool, especially when you've got those speakers that will just go on and on. It's really clear. It's actually really good for the speaker because usually people who do speak for a long time, it's not because they intentionally do it. They just get in on a flow and they know they've got a captive audience, they've got something to say and they actually don't pay attention to how long they've got or they're not thinking about the event manager standing on the side pulling her hair out. Mm. They just are in the moment. So, yeah, those countdown clocks are brutal. They're big red (laughs) numbers. (laughs) They flash when you get close, which I love. Um, Another thing to consider in event timings is the actual event start and finish time. So, for example, did people come straight from work anyway? We had an event that started, it was supposed to start at 6. People rocked up from 5.15. So we thought we may as well just start the event from 5.30 and be prepared by 5.15. And it worked a lot better. We saved that half an hour on the end of the event. And we didn't have people awkwardly standing around waiting for the drink service to start. Absolutely. Great one. Next category would be suppliers. So who was good to work with? What was the quality? Was it what you expected? Yeah, you just need to break that down once again into all of the categories of suppliers that you had at your event and go into detail about how each one performed. And sometimes, a lot of the time, these categories will overlap. For example, uh, we talk about bump in and bump out. That's a big one with suppliers. So did they go to the wrong venue? Do you need to re- reiterate those details five times instead of four times next time? You know, did they were they slow? Did it take way longer to bump in? Was it faster? Do they communicate better over email or do you need a phone call mm. before the event? Some suppliers... They just operate differently and you can't have a one-size-fits-all for each one. So knowing the way that they best operate to get the best results and putting that in your report will help you. Correct. And even small things like, did you order them a crew meal but they don't like to eat on site? You know, those sort of things you can save money next year. Definitely. That's a big one. And that leads us into entertainment, which obviously is a supplier, um, but they're a pretty unique type of supplier in terms of you know, what they require. They often come with a writer of things that they would like in their green room or provided on stage. 
Um, so reflecting on that, reflecting on the quality of their entertainment and where what were their their production requirements was did you do you need to know next time to attribute an extra thousand dollars in AV if you're going to book them because mm. they need all these extra things on stage. Yep. Also, were they on time? Did they interact with the crowd? How were they at sound check? Yeah, lots of little details for entertainment. Did they dress to the dress code? We've had that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's particular ones we know we really need to reiterate if it's a really formal event because they're just, they're just casual people. That's just their vibe. Mm. But you need to. It's a black tie event. And gosh, we've had times where the suppliers, the entertainment, have been drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Not recently, but um, a few years ago, I had a jazz singer who was particularly off her rocker. (laughs) She still sang really well, but that went into the event report, drank too much red wine. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's something uh, I probably wouldn't book someone again who was getting drunk before their performance. Yeah, I don't know. With performers, sometimes... You just it loosens go with them up, it. maybe. Yeah. Yes, but it's definitely good to note. And if you are going to work with them again, just say, look, happy for you to have a couple of drinks beforehand, but please be able to stand up on stage. Don't get loaded. No, <laughs> not a and good look. Even overall, were they a good fit for the event and a good fit for the time of the evening they, they performed as well? So sometimes a person is a really amazing performer, but the crowd just weren't quite ready for them. They needed a few more drinks under their belts or they needed to have eaten to get ready on the dance floor or vice versa. They, um, it would have been a great entry statement when people arrived. Yeah. So moving on to photography and videography. This is one of my favourites personally because as an events company, we like to record and showcase as much as we can, especially when it's been the most beautifully, aesthetically pleasing event. We want quality photography and that beautiful photo or video record of what went down on the night. So I know this is an episode for another day, but don't scrimp ever on this. And it's really good to record how they operated. So did they stick to the brief? Did they arrive on time? Did they have enough shooters if it's um, if they need multiple photographers and how long did it take to get the actual product is a good one to record because your client expectations may be they're going to get the photos the next day Mm -hmm. if you're using a really good photographer quite often that's going to take a while to edit so it may be two three four days it could be a week yeah they're really good ones and so important and did they miss anything from the brief did they, how do they interact with guests is a good one because quite often they're getting a lot of set guest shots as well. Yes, so their personality when they're on site is really yeah. important. No one wants to have a photo in the media wall from someone who looks like, you know, cousin it. Like it's not about looks, it's about how they interact with people. But if you're just standing there with a frown on your face, it, it's pretty intimidating. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the next one is staffing. So from your point of view, whether um, it's you were running in your company or – a contractor was there enough people working the event too many were people standing around doing nothing or did you have that mad rush before guests arrived where you know that you needed people for setup next year yeah great and last but not least bump in and bump out mm-hmm. this is often quite a big category supply surprisingly it is but like I said it quite often crosses over with suppliers so you can combine them but yeah it's, it can be huge it's sometimes bump in and bump out takes longer than the actual event did so it's really important to note things like and I had uh, this learning at a big event recently is 
like did you stagger the bump out correctly? Um, quite often you need to get – so say you're setting up a marquee and the styling inside it, you need to get everything out of the marquee obviously before they can start ripping the walls and the roof off. What? How did that timing go? Did you stagger it appropriately? Could it have all happened at the same time? Yeah. One of our marquee providers likes to come early, so all that kind of comes into um, into play for bump out. And things like styling on, for example, for a recent event we hired a rickshaw. It got delivered. Then it got styling put on it uh, for a photo wall, a backdrop, everything. So they needed to be staggered better. And um, they turned up at the same time to bump out their stuff. And his rickshaw was still covered in like sequins and pom-poms. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, hey, you just, just hold there for a sec. Hold that thought. Literally five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be good to go. Yeah, absolutely. So you need to record whether it worked, whether it didn't. And did you actually put some thought into it or did the event manager put thought into those layerings for coming in and the layerings for going back out? Yeah. The layerings are very, very important. Yeah, and also vehicle access, things like that. Um, sometimes you're in a venue where you literally cannot get more than one vehicle in at a time. So you really have to impress upon your suppliers that bumping is strict. Like you cannot deviate from what we've planned. So the post-event report can reflect whether or not your suppliers actually listen to you. Yes. <laughs> Which sometimes they do not. Sometimes they do not. So, is there anything you think we've missed? The last thing we didn't talk about is whether or not you're going to share your post-event report with your client or if it's going to remain internal. You would always do one that's going to be internal, but you may do a second version that's a little less brutal that you need to send to the client. (laughs) Um, You've got to be respectful, obviously, but you want your client to know if things didn't go to plan because it might be something that they thought was a brilliant element of the event and you can you need to tell them that it really didn't work yeah absolutely and we're we are our own harshest critics so we need to keep that in mind you know we're reining it back when you're telling the client all the things that went wrong (laughs) yeah and I guess it's a little bit of a conversation with them before you deliver a report or you, you usually always have a debrief with a client, particularly if there's going to be ongoing repeat business with them or a repeat event. Um, you just need to sort of gauge with them how much they want to know of the ins and outs and find out what's important to them to be knowing to move forward. Quite often your clients will have a moving body of people that are in charge of the event. We deal a lot with people who have boards or committees and those people change within them each year so keeping that in mind detailed reporting is going to be absolutely crucial for them because they can just read back through go okay worked work didn't work didn't work change this change that and they've got an understanding of the event much more so than looking at the run sheet or looking at photos or videos yeah that's such a good point and that's another reason why the report's so important even internally um, another event manager might pick up and work on that event next year So it's so helpful for them to be able to pick it up and see what did and didn't work. Absolutely. I think that's pretty much it. It's pretty easy to do it once you've got your template. Yeah, totally. Yeah, what would you say are the top three takeaways, Mel? So I think remember to always report on successes and improvements under each category. Set up a template, as we just said, so you can keep everything consistent and it's faster to do each time. And make sure you keep it positive. Keep it solutions focused. Um, What would you do differently next time to make sure the event goes off without a hitch? Perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Absolute pleasure to talk to you. It would be great if you could leave us a review 
always makes us feel warm and fuzzy and also ensures that other people like you get to listen to us and get valuable event tips. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast.